0: and peace to all the viewers and listeners out there my name is krill of out the box talks i am excited for another episode of out the box talks i want to thank all of y'all for tuning in so if you are a regular viewer on our youtube channel much love and respect to you and if you just tune in via the audio podcast much love and respect as well as always i try to bring you an artist or an interview that. You know um represents quality represents creativity or a level of consciousness that um out the box stands for and uh the guests that i have today definitely fit that standard of creativity and quality so um i'm just so excited to bring them before you on the platform today but before i do that i just want to um shout out some of the things happening with out the box so You can always visit our website, which is outtheboxmedia.com. You can become a free subscriber there. We also have a Patreon page where you can get exclusive interview clips from artists that, you know, interviews that you've never heard before. It's only available to the Patreon subscribers. So all of that is actually on our website. And I'm going to put the banner up real quick. It's outtheboxmedia.com. So you can go check that out. You know, um, also, I'll put up the banner. We got a merch store now, too, where you can find the the snapback that I got on the Out the Box TV snap. Uh, And as you can see on the screen, it's outtheboxmedia.bigcartel.com. All right. So remember, you can catch the shows on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. That's where um, you can catch the audio interviews of Out the Box Talks. All right. So um yeah, just keep it locked on the platform. We got a lot happen. Remember every Friday we do a new show, all right? So this show is one that I think a lot of our listeners are gonna is- appreciate, especially those who are fans of the particular artists. So I actually have a duo today, right? And they have been making music and putting out projects since 2013. Um, and I just want to shout out some of the projects they've put out. So they released a half measures mixtape in 2013. Then they went to the race music project. Then, uh, in 2014, they released a EP called Furtive Movements. 2017, we got that Rome album, uh, which is where I actually first heard of them. And then we had the Paraffin album in 2018 and last year in 2020, We got the Shrines album. And now in 2021, we have the Haram album, uh, which has just been released. I want to say about a little over a week ago. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure, you know, my absolute pleasure to introduce to you two brothers who represent a really dope duo in hip hop. The new project, Haram, is produced by producer extraordinaire, Grammy-nominated producer The Alchemist, and these brothers also hail from New York City, so the same town of Out The Box. So I want to ask y'all to give a warm welcome to brothers Billy Woods and Elucid, better known as Almond Hammer. Welcome to Out The Box Talks. What's good? What's good? How y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I had a long-winded intro. I never got the I never got the canned applause. I dug that. That
2: was a good that was a good intro that though, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was tight. Respect, respect. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell Queensflip to watch out. You on his ass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Listen, man, I'm very humbled to to build with y'all for this interview, man. It, it's such a pleasure to sit with y'all, even though we're sitting remotely, right? <laughs> Everybody's mm-hmm. in their own space. Um, I have so much to talk to y'all about, specifically in regards to this uh, Haram album, which is produced by Alchemist. But uh, before we do that, uh, I do want to... Uh, have you guys kind of give the viewers and the listeners there some insight on how you all started with pursuing music individually. So go ahead and, and share when mm. you get a chance.
1: Um, I come from a family, family of musicians. Um, and uh, I think I picked it up and took it. start. I started taking it seriously probably as like a teenager. And uh, I mean, I've had, hundreds hundreds of different jobs all the while like pursuing like music and still like hanging out and going to shows and creating music and being in the studio and all these things and yeah all that got me here i'm, I'm here wherever that is I'm, I'm here and uh yeah i'm not sure I, it's it always it's always it was always serious to me you know uh Freestyling with friends to making records. I think once I got into the studio, probably around sixteen, seventeen, is when it was like a, a serious thing, like a, a laser focus. Because I, I knew this is where I was supposed to be. This is what I, what I wanted to do, and it, it came that like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So, yeah, that's teenagers, a teenager,
2: yeah.
0: Dope, dope. Well said, Woods. So Woods, we got um, Woods here. Go ahead, tell us. About your,
2: your me. uh, I guess that the answer would be um, it wasn't something that I really get. I was a big fan of hip hop music, but wasn't something I ever thought about doing because I, I wasn't really in an environment where I ever knew anyone who rapped seriously, or you know, I just. I just never even really considered that or whatever. But I was always creative. I was always a writer. And I was, as soon as we, uh, as soon as I started buying my own music, I was into hip hop. And just, I was what I was into, you know, real heavy. And um, I think that for me, it was that uh, when I was in college, um, not actually a school, but basically, once I moved back to New York City, then, um, my college years, I, uh, I met rappers from here, like under indie rappers and people who rap who were doing crazy, you know, it wasn't like, it was the first time I was around people who would just start spitting. And you're like, yo, what? It's crazy. Um, the first person was probably, uh, like, through this girl I met, uh, wind and breeze and, and, um, first time I heard him spit, like just in this girl's kitchen, I was like, I didn't even know people could rap like that. You know, I just didn't It sounds silly, but I just literally didn't know. And then, um, and then after that, I, I, I uh, I met more people and I became close friends with Vorto Mega, who would later be part of Campbell at the time. He was part of this group called a collective called Adam's Family. And, um, and he was a big influence and just always being encouraging and being like, go ahead and do your thing. And then um, I went back to D.C. for a year. I got kicked out of school. I went back to D.C. And then I was um, I was just writing and doing my thing back at home and writing a lot. And it was kind of a secret. I wasn't really telling anybody there because it wasn't an environment with any rappers. But I had one other friend um who would be writing and working on his shit too, um, and that's when you know I started thinking, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could do this. And then I really felt like it became serious once. Um, I mean, I was pretty serious about it then. And then, yeah, once the Canox and all that stuff started to happen, I was like, wow, those, those are my homies, you know? Because it's like those are my homies. What? <laughs> Yo. And, but yeah, I would say probably like that 1998 to 199 that year that I was back in DC kind of by myself and started really writing rhymes and um, bouncing them off this one friend. And um, yeah, that would be it probably.
0: That's so dope that you say Cannibal Ox, you know, having that influence because when I, when I started listening- Literally, I
2: should say Vorto Mega.
0: Vorto, okay. Yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. When I started listening to you all music, it reminded me of Cole Vane. Like, just the aesthetic, the, the, the sound. Like, it, I was getting that same kind of vibe, which, you know, so that's dope to see that, that that's that Vortomega connection from Can Ox. Mm. So, talk to me about how you all initially, you know, met each other and decided to collaborate as Arm and Hammer.
2: um we had a uh we had a show uh we had a show that we i used to be help do this uh this showcase kind of like a i don't know maybe i just call it a showcase was yeah, so kind definitely. of like a one night festival um together with a couple other with th- this cat nasa who ran another indie label back in the day and um good dude and he he and i would do sort of curate this, this event every December. And, um, one year we were doing it, it was called Yule Prague. And he was like, I was like, who's going to be the headliner. And he was the one who always kind of, he knew more of what was going on with different acts. And he was the one who would more often than not bring in somebody I hadn't heard of or be like, yo, this person's, this person's gaining some steam. We should reach out to them or whatever. Um, and so, uh, and so he was like, yo, this kid's really dope, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be the headliner. Actually, now that I think about it, I think it was when the event was two nights, and the first night was like a battle or something.
1: I feel like that's uh, that's pretty accurate, yeah.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember you at the battle thing, and I was like, you didn't win. I remember it was like your style wasn't, you know, you weren't even really trying to do that. And then... The next night, whatever, the main thing I remember is he was the headliner of the show. I hadn't really heard his music. There was so much logistical stuff to do. I just trusted, you know, NASA said he's good. All right, let's go. And, um, and you know, afterwards, going through all these things, I remember watching his set I think by then we knew that, you know, when you're doing a show, you're kind of tense about all the logistics and did we make our money? But he was the headliner, so by the time he went, I think I knew everything was squared away and I just tried to enjoy the set. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this, this guy is really wild with it. And, um, and it was a good show. And then I talked to him after the show and got his contact information. And then I went home and watched uh, the video, tried to look up his music, and I found a video for this song, Automatic Writing, and I watched that. I like, got home after the show like two in the morning, watched the thing. was like, yo, this is dope. Got to do something with this guy. And, um, and so I reached out with like a track, you know, and was like, oh, I have this track. And we did. He recorded a couple guest spots for my record. And then I just was like, why don't we keep doing stuff?
1: Yep.
2: In short.
0: Dope, dope. So, how did y'all even come up with the name Arm & Hammer? Like, how did y'all decide that that was going to be the name that the duo would be recognized by?
2: Well, that was that was my idea at the time. Mm-hmm. I just thought Arm & Hammer, I like things with different levels and interpretations, and I was like, there's so many he ways. I was, to think, act he was to thinking work. straight.
1: It was more straight. It wasn't the name. It was just... Uh, arm and
2: hammer like but then i was like yo crack, crack write it like this and part of that was just i right. thought it was a cool idea i remember when i proposed it and i was like i hope he doesn't not like this because the other thing was by then i've been doing it long enough to know you don't want to have a name that you can't google you know it was a long time ago but i was enough to be like if our name is arm and hammer yeah, I mean that's already you're just setting yourself up with so many hurdles before you've yeah. even started. Um, as well as I felt like it would be too much, like oh, then people would look at it as just being about like coke or something.
1: Wait, I feel like
2: I proposed idea of making a name. I gotta tell you that that is not the case, but you that's did the- agree. <laughs> well, I will say you did agree instantly, which I was like, I hope. Yeah, it was like it was a like, it's a solid move. It needed yeah. to be a name. Yeah, because you know, early on you do things, especially for somebody like me who started doing this when the Internet was not as big. And then you're like, man, I picked the worst name, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I gave it a little more thought than I gave my first rap name.
0: It's funny you say that because I, I remember like when I want to Google stuff for, and this happens with other artists, too, but. In you, in you guys' case, like, you know, if I'm Googling Arm and Hammer, I got to put like MC or rapper next to the name or else other stuff is going to come up, right? So See, you know. at the
2: time, at the time, I had, you know, I had no idea. Obviously, this other individual, he was already acting, but he wasn't acting under that name and had barely done anything at that point in time. So when I looked it up. I saw, oh, an old industrialist. I was like, that's fine if that's part of the. You know, cause I was also like arm and hammer, like hammer and sickle. I also just thought about the simple mechanics of it. Two right. things that, are, that work together to do one thing. You know what I mean?
0: Got it. Now what's obvious, what's pretty obvious in terms of your artist presentation for the both of you is the actual display of your names. Billy, your name is usually demonstrated in all lowercase letters. While Elucid, your name is demonstrated in all capitals. And I noticed that while Billy's energy is generally more of a laid back vibe vocally, your energy Elucid is generally very strong vocally. And it has a kind of like in your face presence. And it's a little bit faster as well. Did the energy of your vocal presence have an impact in how you guys would choose to display the look of your names?
1: I'm not so sure. I thought it just looked cooler, like typed out that way. Um, and then just thinking about how, like, yeah, I just I make music as as elusive, like it's a machine, like it's in you know separate from self in a way. But I don't know. Uh, it's interesting that you stated about like voice and delivery because that's not what the internet thinks. <laughs>
2: interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think you could have easily reversed that description, and some yeah. people would have agreed with that. It really, it really depends. Yeah, I also think it's interesting it what you're talking about face. because Elusa's name used to be, and it's funny because you can see the people who've been down with him for a super long because it's a space between each letter. Each letter, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But then, once I had to start writing the PR things, I was like, "I'm not doing <laughs> <intense>. that." Come <on." laughs> You know, um, oh, I that you name, you <laughs> that's just also, something that I got. Yeah, you were asking about my name, and um, when I was saying I was thinking of Armin Hammer's name, I put more thought into it. So I came into my own name in a funny way, but like nobody calls me Billy, so it's not like in a bad way or trying to be formal. Everyone calls me Woods. The Billy part was an appellation for a different life and other things I was doing at the time where it seemed best to have two names for what I was doing. And then it just bled into the rap stuff. I was a kid, you know, so you don't really think about it at that. But everyone calls me Woods. Mm-hmm.
0: Dope, dope, dope. Yeah, it's just something that I notice in... Uh, Maybe I I played a little bit too much into it, but I was just curious if it had anything to do with the display.
2: But no, uh, I I get it. I I thought it was at the time. I just thought I just thought lowercase would be good. I think I probably also was like. Not going to do the MF Doom thing. MF Doom was all caps. And I already thought that even though for my own reasons I wasn't going to show my face, I didn't want to turn it into something that was too much like that. I don't know, man. Also, when you're, when I was so young, like I, I, sometimes I wonder if I'm even remembering accurately my own rationalizations. The lowercase thing, I don't fully remember why in the end that was what I chose. But we had already both been making music for a while with our names written that way before we met. So it was just... Pure coincidence that he's all caps and I'm lowercase. Yeah,
1: it's also like people would always just spell it wrong, like Euclid, like the Greek geometric dude, right? Like or like the Avenue in Brooklyn. And it was just like, all right, so like that's not my name. But so maybe if I just like make it bigger, like y'all would like understand it and see it and spell it correctly, say it correctly, but it it ain't work. It really didn't work.
0: Interesting, interesting. So this new project that y'all have out with Alchemist, uh, as you said earlier, called Haram, um, and Alchemist is obviously providing the main con- producer contribution on that album. Tell me how the relationship with Alchemist came to be, where he would lend his production to this project.
2: Uh, he reached out to me, um... We first kind of had a connection to a, a third party who I turned out, it turned out we knew somebody in common through a funny coincidence. But actually, even to find that out, he had already reached out to me through Earl's sweatshirt. And, um, and, and once we started talking, we just kind of hit it off. And then after a little while, he was like, we should do something. And so I was like, if we're doing something, we should do something with Arm and Hammer.
0: That's dope. Why,
2: Which, why do you, you know, it turned out that was even how he gotten into my music was really through Arm and Hammer to begin with. So he was like he right on it like yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Like it, it just like when when I found out that Alchemist was gonna be producing an Arm and Hammer album, it just made mm-hmm. a whole lot of sense. It, like on paper, that you does. see certain things, you are like okay, that 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 works. So do, um, they do. and and in listening to the project, even though it's been like. A, well, we're coming up on a week. Um, since it's been out, it works. Like it, it the music sounds really good. It's um, it you guys still stay within what people know y'all for, but it just sounds like an extension of Arm and Hammer.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I I produce as well, and in the beginning of like making this record, I remember a conversation with Al, and he was like. I love what y'all do. I think I wanted beats, like different kind of beats that he was giving us. I wanted like a different kind of a sound. He was like, no, no, no. I love what y'all do. I'm trying to come into y'all world and uh let's just build something, you know, that custom fitted to Arm and & Hammer. And uh it, re- it really worked out that way, you know? Um, yeah. Indeed, indeed. So
0: let's talk about the album title. Uh what's the significance of the title to the message at large on the album?
2: Haram. You wanna go first? Um go ahead, man. Cause yeah. Okay. Uh I I guess to me, and the thing is I feel like you create and then sometimes you create with the idea and new connections form as you're making something, you know. Um, you know always everything that it relates isn't something that you figured out beforehand so for for me it was you know that the title was a good starting point and then from there all sorts of things happen consciously and unconsciously that find their way back to the back to the title and back to your starting point um for me I think it's it, 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 it was a, a departure point about talking about, uh spirituality and talking about um desire and talking about things that are forbidden um and talking about religion and all its forms and facets Uh um so yeah i'd say and also i think that you know like uh it's interesting because haram is also something that's like um It's like sacred, you know, like how like you can't go not just anyone could like go into the Kaaba, for example, in Mecca. You can't just go in there. You have to be in a in a in a pure state to go experience it. So um just kind of about how things that are forbidden or sometimes also things that are sacred, all the different things that you could explore within that.
0: Did you wanna share your your point of view too, Elucid?
1: I think I love how Woods explains that. Dope. Um, and 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 the title itself, like the many like chambers uh, that he just mentioned, it just allows us to keep things open ended, which I love about these Arm and Hammer records, um, and allows like the listener to take what they will from it. You know, there are images um, to grab onto. That may speak to people in whatever way that it speaks to your personal like understanding and direction. And I love that. I love that. I, I don't want to have to explain like what I cause this is my life, you know what I'm saying? Like this is my thought process. This is my this is my expelling. Um, so when a listener grabs on to like whatever, I think it's really ill that they've able to like take whatever it is that they take that applies to them personally. I could so be- we need that open-endedness. And also just like kind of like challenge ourselves um, to not box ourselves in and just allow things to develop naturally and mutate naturally and ferment naturally and I love that.
0: I could dig it, I could dig it. So let's talk about some of the lyrics on the project. Um, For this interview, I wish I had the time, but to cover your, you know, the majority of your catalog is gonna be hard. So I'm only gonna focus on Haram as well as Shrines. But we're gonna jump off with Haram first. So the first. Did track, I send you the lyric booklet?
2: I should have sent you the lyric, but let me know if you need it.
0: I would love it in the future. Yeah, definitely. If you could send it to me, that'd be awesome. But yeah, I can
2: send it to you right now if you want it.
0: Uh, it's cool. I have I have some of the lyrics written okay. down from what I've I've okay. gathered. I ga- I've gathered thanks to the resourceful right. internet. <laughs> um, okay, so on the first track, Sir Benny Miles. You have a line, Woods, where you say, my favorite game is let's suppose. Let's suppose I asked a question just to see it in your face. I already know the answer never mattered. So it's just an excerpt, right? In that scenario, if I'm correct, it sounds like you're talking about the value in being able to read people's facial expressions beyond their words. Can you give the significance of the word suppose and elaborate on how it connects to the actual question that you ask in that line?
2: Well, first of all, I think if somebody knew me, then it's an extra laugh because I ask a lot of hypothetical questions. I always (laughs) have for my whole life. My parents used to be so annoyed, man. Number one hypothetical question asker. My mother, (laughs) I asked my father one time in front of a whole bunch of people uh, in the government, I was like, who would win if Mugabe, so Zimbabwe had a prime minister and a president, um, and this is right after independence, and a bunch of people were in the room, and I was like, who would win if Mugabe and and the president, whose name was Cane and Banana, what, who would win if they had a if they had a fight? <laughs> it was uh, it was an awkward question considering the room. Everybody thought, but I've always just been that sort of person. But then the other aspect, uh, so that's just kind of an inside joke, but it's true. I ask a lot of hypothetical questions. And then there's, uh, so that is my favorite game is, let's suppose. And then the other part of it is sometimes you're asking somebody something not, maybe I should say, sometimes I ask somebody something to see that, you know, you might already know what, and you're like, I wonder how they, no matter what they say, you're waiting to see what type of faith, how they react to this thing how they how they try to you already know what the actual reality of the situation is,
0: indeed indeed, yeah, it was one of those lines that and you have a number of lines like that, I'm just like I gotta rewind it back because um it I feel like there's underlying things that you could you know you could decode from it, you know, and I, that's what I love about your music, you know it's 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 abstract enough. That um, you know, you can find new things when you go back and listen to it.
2: Sorry, sorry.
0: T- tell us about the the second track, "Roaches Don't Fly." I, I feel like that's like a short solo of yours, Elucid. How does that title relate to what you're actually talking about in the verse? I know, like at the end of the verse, you say um, I think, or in the song somewhere, you say you don't have to be here if you don't wanna, and you just kind of repeat mm-hmm. it, like. Talk to me about that that song and like, you know, um
1: you know. I don't think it connects at all. Mm. I don't think it connects at all. Um I'm styling. I'm I'm really styling on that track, really. Um, if there's a core theme, you know, you could talk about like autonomy, talk about like uh bodily autonomy. Um but yeah, the, the title, the title. Sometimes titles really don't even matter to me.
0: Right, right.
1: So I like that. I like that phrase, you know, and, and applied it to that record. But yeah, for, for me, like, I was just really styling on that on that Alchemist beat. It was just like, I don't know. I got that beat and you just felt like, the vibe, I really it, man. You know,
0: and rocked with it. Okay, you know well, that's a good point that you brought up because. Um, I noticed you guys have a lot of interesting titles, not just on this project, but on a number of your projects. How, like what, what, is there like a formula that y'all go to to, to create the titles? Or like, how do, how do you generally come up with the, the titles for y'all songs?
1: I think, um, I mean, I think it all goes into like our process of like how we record and how we like make songs. But I think for me personally, um, I'm always jotting things down. I always have like a random idea. I'm always in the phone or like writing something down. Sometimes it ends in a rhyme, sometimes it ends as a title. sometimes it ends as nothing. but like, yeah, I think with Roaches doing Fly Woods, if I'm not mistaken, I was just like a something that I did on my own and kind of sent it to you. you yeah, know? you
2: already had the title, yeah, you already had the title. Because remember, that actually caused me to change the title of Giraffe Hunts before Giraffe Hunts existed in its final form or whatever. Yeah. So that's funny.
0: Got it, got it. So one of my favorite tracks on the album is Black Sunlight. It's probably my favorite, just just off rip of hearing it. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. obvious choice yeah. for sure. Yeah. I knew that as soon as I heard that beat, I was like, this is the one. Yeah, it I mean, works. You know, it works. Yeah, he
2: picked that beat out immediately and had the whole plot, the concept of, you know, like smiling and all aspects of it. He pretty much had it figured out. So I just did my part.
1: Adding Kiana to the on on the on the song, her vocals she really blessed that for us. It just really set it off on another level.
2: Yes. Yeah, really good concept too. That was that was. It's nice when somebody tells you the idea and you're like. Bang. That's great. Let's go.
1: Indeed.
0: So Woods, you have yep. a line on that song where you say some nights, the sun shines just got to catch it. Uh, and I think also on falling out the sky, you say, you, you say that you, you say sunny days and sunny nights too. Um, can you expound on what you meant uh, by that line? The some nights, that some nights, the sun shines.
2: Um, yes. Although I'd say that, uh, uh, um, It's funny, because all you can see is my teeth here. (laughs) Um, But the line before is uh, uh, something teeth incisors, yellow teeth incisors flashing. Some nights the sun shines, just got to catch it. So first of all, it's a joke about uh, my, 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 my teeth, yellowish teeth to begin with. So, um, and then the incisors flashing, so like, uh, I'm kind of making a joke about, about I mean, on the one hand, yeah, it's like saying some nights, the sun shines, like you got uh things happen, and you just gotta have your eye open, and on the other hand, it's a thing about like me smiling, you know, that makes a lot of sense sometimes people think I'm very serious- i mean not in real life, people don't think I'm very serious, but
0: you know. That that makes a lot of sense, and it it also it also goes with the title, right? Uh, black sunlight. Uh, yeah. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a different title before, but
1: <laughs> interesting. What was the title was before? So
2: good. I mean,
1: I it was like it was a working title, man. Okay, it was. Oh
2: no, that was the title. Bring the stars. It was just a working yeah, title. Yeah, was I was like, trying
0: to so say it, it but yeah. It. Dope, dope. So on the trap, Auburn aubergine or aubergine I'm not aubergine saying. okay it's aubergine. An eggplant.
2: got it or the color really I was thinking or it was the color
0: got it got it yes all right so on the track aubergine was you have a line where you sort of reference the sometimes lethargic state of rap you say rappers tired inertia One is of the best
1: the- lines on the album
0: yes R- rappers tired inertia is the only thing that keep them moving now if y'all had to envision a world, like if I said right now close your eyes and envision a world where whack rappers lyrics just stood still. Like what do you think um it would do to push the culture of hip hop forward like um if that were to happen where the inertia really happened um where their lyrics just stopped or their yeah, rhyming my,
1: just so many whack rappers stacked up some niggas might get walled off. You know? There's so many of y'all out there, man. <laughs> like if
0: Thanos snapped it, you know what I'm saying? There was a Thanos snap of whack rappers. It would be yeah. it would
2: be funny. It would be funny. I might prefer to get rid of the middling ones rather than the really bad ones. So that got something to like. Are we saying names? I want to say, are we saying names? Nah, no, I'll not try to get it. Again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you I don't have to say names, man. But i you know, it,
1: when I heard the line, we I was watching like, "Y'all, we watching y'all, man."
0: All oh, y'all. When I heard the line, you know, especially the the word inertia, you know, it really made me think about a, a world <laughs> where that that did happen. You know, I mean, I mean, I was
2: really thinking of the. You know, it starts with the uh, West World. Diggers need reboot and recycle to save shooting. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the that was the one that had been floating around, and then I and then I built r- from there. You know,
0: let's talk more about Alchemist. Like, how involved was he with the production? Did he did he like show up in person at any times? Did or were there times where he would? he would send you guys music and he would go back and rework the track based on y'all input. Like how involved was he?
1: Nah, it was, uh, I mean, this was COVID era. So right. I never actually sat with Al in the studio. Uh, we had plans to go to LA and, and do that, but COVID hit. Woods was out there for other reasons and hung out with Al, I think a couple times, but it was mostly just like um, sending beats back and forth and like phone conversations, little FaceTime situations. And then, um, I mean, you gotta understand also, like we started this record in 2019. I've been holding this secret for a while, right? We started this record before Shrines, put it on pause, did Shrines, picked this back up, finished it, it's out. Um, but I think like with, with Haram, like, uh, yeah once we started getting into a groove with like vocals and things, yeah he loved it and he would just like kind of craft the beats around what we what we did and then I was able to see like you know Al songcraft is like top tier like this is this is what a producer does this is what a, a producer really can do for like a song um or, or a demo and make it into a song you know he took things sometimes in a direction i couldn't I couldn't see. And then, uh, yeah, once we got vocals laid, then it was like the next phase of like, how does this all work together as an album, as a project, flowing from song to song? And um, Woods came through with like uh, movie clips and things. And then I came through with movie clips and things. And we put this, the transitions together with Al. I feel like that's like one of the illest parts about the record, like the transitions and just like creating like this ambiance. That's uh, like, that's an arm and hammer thing, right? It's like, this kind of unhinged, unsettled kind of vibe. But I didn't want to keep it the same way, like as it was on Paraffin or maybe Shrines. This felt a little more calmer. You know, it's more ambience that we were um, ambience and like drones that we were like working with on, on Haram here. And uh, so yeah, like Al, Al, Al ran the ship, but he's definitely like, again, like, yeah, I want to come into y'all world. So when that, what that means is like we, we got input. We, you know, this is how, you know.
2: It's tight. And there was there were a couple of things that got reworked. Um, so I mean, I guess Giraffe Hunts didn't end up on this album, but that would be a big one where me and him kind of went. He sent me something, and I was like, "What if it was like this?" And then we ended up on the final version of that track. Same thing with Aubergine. That was something. Um, where part of some of it was some of the first stuff we ever recorded, and yeah. then all stuff was done way later and putting it together and when fielded came aboard, all of those things involved a lot of um, a lot of feedback and going back and forth um, probably the last thing to be done on that was fielded recording her part um, so right. there were there were a few things like that i'm trying to think if there was anything else but there were there were definitely some points of going back and forth and definite and between him elucid and willie green there was a lot of yeah, collaboration. yeah willie green uh engineered a lot of this project uh, mixed and mastered the whole thing He's absolutely essential part of what um my label does and what we've done as artists and um And, you know, Al even just having the willingness to trust Green to mix his stuff, you know. um, Green, Elucid, and Al really put their heads together on the sonic, you know, the the post-production and that sonic level. I came in with my transition ideas and the track order, you know, Al and I went back and forth about that. And. Um, but that would that then I just stepped back because you know I'm not a producer, and and, um, and they all really nailed it in terms of post production and how things were coming back. It was really great experience to sit back and um and watch that happen, you know.
0: Very, very well said. Now, Elucid, you said that um, you held this project right for you know. For a long time, how were you able to keep something like this hidden? I mean, an alchemist project, like
1: right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a talky talk ass nigga. So it's <laughs> like I knew it was happening, but I was also busy with other things, you know what I mean? Like at the same time, um when we really, really got into like the recording of Haram, like I was also working on this record uh called Small Bills. Uh, I don't really be on, I'm not, I'm on socials, I'm on social media, but like, I'm not like
0: Invested on there like that, that yeah.
1: like divulging crazy info. Also, I just wanted to be a surprise for people. I just wanted to just like fall out the sky, like a refrigerator on somebody head and like, you never imagined it. You know what I mean? People just, they never would think like, ah, I would like fuck with Arm and Hammer. But when it, when it materialized, it makes a whole lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. But like, yeah, I love that surprise element. I think we pulled that off magnificently. Shout out Woods. Woods, we did that thing, man.
2: (laughs) Indeed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely did. One of the things I notice in terms of your music is the similarity of your voices at oftentimes. (laughs) How has your chemistry together helped to benefit your individual lyrical strengths?
2: I don't think our voices sound yeah, similar. I, I don't I, understand I'm, that. I'm not even saying that as somebody who's in my feelings or something. I don't yeah. really get it. We both have pretty deep voices, but especially because vo- the approach vocally is so different. I don't personally yeah. hear it. Um, it. But it's, it's, it's interesting, that- man. You, know, you have people out there who think that there's a rapper named Armand who's <laughs> right. recording all the verses. Yeah. of one guy so you know it's a big world man uh indeed I, I
3: okay
0: really
2: speak for myself that as far as that question goes I don't think I can really help because I don't think that we sound alike
0: got but, it got it I don't know I, I'm and I'm being I'm I'm really being honest with what I've heard and this is just my perspective so I, I get it like you probably you guys have probably never heard that but like this no t- no I have no no okay and I, okay.
1: I'm like especially with this record like you know I mean this is Crazy exposure with this record, so I'm just seeing it just on Twitter or whatever, and people saying it like, "Oh, hammer is one person," or when they find out it's two people, then it's just like, "Oh, y'all sound alike," and it's just like, "I okay, never thought so, never thought so, but okay, you know." So I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Y'all have me shook alone, for bro. a second. I'm like, what, alone.
0: like? I'm all not but the reason why I asked the question was like, you know, y'all are both of y'all are dope in y'all own right, right? I say y'all sound similar, but of course y'all have y'all own styles. Um, but I'm but curious to know to about me, the I,
2: Go ahead. I do I, I sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Sometimes there's people where I'm like, okay. Like I remember when the clips first came out, and I was like, I couldn't really tell, especially early clips. It takes a while to see who's Mal and who's Pusher. I mean, obviously they're brothers, they're from the exact same place. It's not that one of them's older and clearly showed the other one how to rap, you know, so it's not shocking. And then there's like the Smith and Wesson thing where you could tell they were different people, but you weren't always sure who was Smith and who was Wesson. <laughs> this situation is more confusing to me. You know, wow. it's kind of like if somebody was like, I didn't know that Smith. And, I thought Smith and Wesson sounded alike. They didn't ever sound alike to me. But I would confuse to the, to this date. I'd be a little bit scared if we were with the Coco Brothers that I was supposed to say. <laughs> with, Not the Coco <laughs> Like I'm 90 percent sure that I know. But I would be like, I hope I'm right.
0: Like, I'm going to give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Stone fruit. I, yes. I I could have sworn it was you, Woods. Like, Crazy. I could have sworn it was was you, Woods. Uh, until Hold on, I read on the, the
2: song. Which part? You mean? No, singing?
0: No, I'm, I'm talking about the singing. I'm talking about the first parts what? of the song. Like, but <laughs> I when I found out it was Elucid, I was like, "All right, it makes sense." Right now, I didn't. I asked the question really not to talk about your the similarities that I hear in the voice but to really focus on how you're, you each sharpen each other the chemistry sharpens each other so do you guys feel like when y'all get in the booth or when y'all record together your how like how do y'all benefit from you know what what y'all each bring v- uh vocally as MCs
1: like I think it's just like I got a I think it's just out of like a shared like respect for each other's craft man like Woods is one of the best out here like that's like undeniable like bar for bar on paper or just audibly like he's one of the best out here so it's just like I know I can't really be slacking you know what I'm saying and I I gotta um, like something like Stone Fruit right like Woods is, Woods is nice. Woods is nice, but I don't know if Woods would have came up with that flow. I don't think he would have done that that way that I did it. Like no. that's me. Indeed. That's me, right? Like that's so I just gotta like continue to mind for stuff. I'm just in competition. I just want to play with the best. Like, like for real. So that's what I feel like I'm doing, you know. So I think that's for me personally, that's how I'm keeping keeping the sword sharp, you know. That sounds I think I could dig two it.
2: different to my answer would be there's two different levels on the long term ver, long term version of that is that um, if I looked at where I was in 2013 and when I started working with the lucid, what made me be like, I need to work with this person is um, my mom when I was a kid would always be like, don't don't do stuff with people who are worse than you. You know, she was like, if you're going to do something. Like, don't have friends who are like all stupider than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't have, don't like, don't like play games or you're better than everybody at doing something. Or, or, um, when I was a kid, if you're good at something and sometimes they want to move you up to the more advanced group and you want to stay with the group you have because you're the best, and it's like, no, you got to move up. So I felt like, man, we did two songs. And the first one I felt like I got thoroughly out on. And then the second one I felt like I, kind of barely held it together. So I was like, I need to be rapping with this dude because, and so I can say in the long term um, on a lot of levels just made me a much, much better artist. Um, And in in terms of how it works song to song and so forth, I think one of the interesting things is um, I feel like uh, on the one hand um, there's a lot of a lot of things to do with melody, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, ability to play with cadences and delivery that I definitely have just from being around somebody, you're like, okay, look at what, you know, that I I've taken away from, from working with him. Um, it's definitely helped me in terms of making hooks and stuff like that, where I started out and, um, and then on another level, I can see ways in which um, I think uh, by virtue of, of working together, we, we have two different approaches of ways that our brains work and different ways we might approach a subject, which is great because it allows you to do so much and to challenge each other's narratives within a song or take something in a totally different direction. And that is balanced by the fact that um, the only person I've ever worked with, at least in, in terms of music, sometimes other people like artists or people who make videos or visual artists and things or producer, but where I have total faith that whatever I think up or crazy idea i say because sometimes you might be like here's the idea and then you go do it and it's like yeah that was too on the nose or not on the nose enough or way off or something when you go tell somebody what to do whereas this a situation where I can have complete faith that like even if he's not doing what I thought was going to happen it will in some way be interesting challenging move the song in a place even if I didn't know could go there so it means a lot to work with somebody where you can have complete faith and then also where they can do something like um, send you something and you feel like, okay, I I know exactly what that challenges you and also puts you in position to do your best work. And, you know, I, I think also for me, um, I think that's important in a group. Sometimes, yeah, you got to get something and it's just like you're set up like stone fruit. I was set up and then it's like the other person also has to deliver though. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you don't want to throw alley-oops and dudes then turn it into a missed layup. Like, you got to dunk that right. motherfucker. Right. Um, so I, I think those would be all of the ways in which I think it's uh, the interplay has happened and the ways that it has helped me become a better artist, for sure.
0: Appreciate that, man. You said, you said a whole lot there, man, and I appreciate that. So I want to go back to the song Black Sunlight Um, and particularly your verse, um, a line from you, Elucid. We really hear your energy at the end of the verse regarding your desire for a better world. Like I could really feel the passion in your lyrics when I hear your verse. And you have a line on there where you say, I ain't never hold myself to make the song sell for all the world. Can you expound on your mindset with that line and tell us like your true intention for doing music?
1: Mm. Well, I think it's like a testament to like uh or just it just speaks to the road. Like I'm still on this road. I haven't arrived anywhere, like sure. Like this this record here, like I knew doing this record, this would be the most visible. That I've been as an artist. I'm working with the alchemist. The dudes won Grammys. You know what I mean? Like I, sure. But you know, being on this road and thinking about, I never had to change my style. I never changed my style. The world changed. You know what I mean? Like, whatever that is, like it changed. People's perceptions changed. Social climates change. People think differently, or maybe not. Time, I don't know, and being in this whole pandemic situation, people are processed differently, people will permanently change or sw- I don't know, but I didn't change what I did, and here we are. You know, and all of a sudden, people are paying attention because I'm close to Al. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting this record out on this particular platform. Uh, I think, in that particular, line, I thought you were going to mention another line, but. With, with that particular line, like, that's what that's where I was coming from, just, like, really speaking to, like, staying on your own path and, like, realizing, um, for me, realizing what I have, uh, my gift to offer to the world, I never had to, to sell it out. I never had to cheapen myself. I never had to, like, front and, and, and play a role that wasn't me or be uncomfortable and had to get called out. And nah, 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 nah. You know what I'm saying? Like, here I am. Yeah, the... The lyric is
0: is is so powerful. Like I'll just, I want to recite it, uh, just you know, just to share the energy of it. Like you say, I don't want to riff blood. I don't want to explain self. I don't want to constrict love.
1: Come on, I bro, want a grow kid. <laughs> I ain't
0: never <laughs> hold myself to make the song sell, sell for all the world. Smile. <laughs> I mean, you said that yeah, but yeah, but I'm just saying like. Yeah. When I heard it, like I was like, man, this, this is that that I guess that's the reason why I really like that record, because it's it's a big record. Like
1: in there's terms so of so much the sound, joy in that record, man. Yeah, like, it is. So that record. Like the production is there, you know. But I'm telling you when I we did a show, um Woods Terror Management release party, and there was his brother Mike who performed, and I saw him on stage and I was like, yo, yo Mike was up there smiling. He was like He was just in his bag, and he's a star. He's a star. Like, how he moves on stage, like, his pocket. He's rhyming. He's smiling. His records are very, like, emotional, and he's showing, like, a crazy vulnerability about, like, how he came up or like, his pains and and trauma. And and he's on stage smiling through all that. I was so inspired, man. I was so, so inspired, like, watching him on stage. And, like, I feel like I got the beat, like, that morning. And then I saw him. And I was like that that's yeah like that's that's what we need to see out here you know what I'm saying yeah. we smiling through all the bullshit you know what I mean we smiling through it you know and working through it but all, all in all like keeping that that smile keeping that joy within us which is so powerful you know yeah. um yeah and that's where I really came from so I'm glad that like that that joy that feeling like somebody said today i I, I heard you know talking about keana's vocals on there and the knee like Kind of, we were singing together, and just like the sense of like joy and glee. Yeah, and that's how I felt like actually recording it. You know, yeah. so I'm glad that that's imparted yeah. to the listener. It-
2: I like the line, um, "Um, digging out my pockets, blowing off the lint." But how, how does that whole couplet go?
1: Shit, man! Don't, 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 don't go bring me back.
2: <laughs> no, that's the line. That you? What line were you going to talk? Where it's like. Uh, I thought it was just thinking about finding joy finding in any joy, place, going off the line. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like dude, blowing off the land, Like that's yeah. my, that's my like, favorite yeah. line.
1: Like yeah, 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 yeah. We forget that. We forget. We forget the joy. You know what I'm saying? Like shit is very real out here, and it's very easy to forget it. So you know, but it's there. You know what I mean, we gotta tap into it. We can, we can tap into it, and it's important. It's necessary to tap into it. We're gonna be out here and 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 run this race for real, for real. Definitely, you know, definitely. Yeah. I dig it.
0: And and Woods, you shine as well on that track too. Um, um I can't remember the exact lyric, but it's 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 something you say in in the the. It just works so well with the beat. I can't remember the lyric off the bat, but I, I when I remember, I'll, I'll I'll mention it to you. But um, yeah, it's just a dope record, man. So, indeed, indeed, on the refrain from the song Pepper Tree, uh, Woods, I can hear a distinct Caribbean accent from you. What made you tap into that Caribbean patois on this particular track?
2: Um, so when I got the beat, that is actually the song that I wrote here, The Fastest. Interesting. Um, when I got the beat. It was an a, a alchemist had sent a group of beats, a pack of beats. And, uh, and Lucid and I picked out a couple. And I remember I was like, what about this one? It was so weird. Yeah. And he said, he texted me back, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know. While I was waiting for him to answer, because a lot of times he picks weird, weirder things than me. So I was waiting for him to answer and feeling like the answer might be yes. I didn't know because it was so weird. But I was like, so I started listening to it and vibing to make sure that I wanted to do it. You know. Um, and then when he by the time he texted me back, it didn't take long, but by the time he texted me back, absolutely not. I was like, no, nah, I have an idea. I was like, I like this. And um and i told al and he was like oh i yo that joint's crazy i didn't even know i can't remember exactly what he said but basically where he just like he threw it in to see you know he didn't really know if it'd be an interlude or if somebody was gonna rap on it or what would happen he just thought it was it was out there and i liked it immediately and something just um i guess a few different things just made me think about uh where my family is from in Jamaica, which is a very, very rural place and like the mountains and whatnot. And um, and that's really where, I, like, I've spent a lot of time in Jamaica, but I still, to this day, I've never been to Kingston, you know, my family is from um, deep, deep country. And so, um, and the last time, well, not the last time, but I certainly have been there for many funerals and there's like a little, there's a little church at the top, of, one part of the mountain and then we carry the coffin down this ravine and um it's a it's a different sort of thing uh Both. you know i'm saying to somebody once about like um mm-hmm. like generations of my family are buried in the front yard of the house you know what i mean and when you walk around there people have the burial plots on their property of their family members sometimes right by the gate or by the whatever, but people's, you know, you look out the window, you wake up, look out the window, it's three, four generations of your family out there. Um, and it just has a different way. But also, uh, uh, some of those things were taken from different, I feel like some of the imagery and stuff later, and it is actually kind of taken from memories from Zimbabwe. But I've been to a lot of funerals in my life and funerals play a big part in my music. And it was just one of those things where it just It hit me right away that that was um, that that was what it was going to be. And it was one of those times where I felt like I knew what the chorus was first. I just started improvising it, you know. But, yeah, you know, when they take me down the road. Got it, got it. And that's just the whole thing about like carrying the car, you know, when they bring me down, you know. And mm-hmm. So that's where that's where I, I that's where I started from, you know. And the whole idea of um, I, I just like that opening where it was like uh, uh, silent except for children crying. They never even knew him, awesome. <laughs> you know. They be just crying off the vibe. I mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know. They're like two, three years old. <laughs> they don't know what's going on.
0: On the next song, Scaffolds, was you say a really powerful line. You say, I can't afford not to believe in things unseen, but belief always been dangerous to me. Can you expound on how you identify with the concept of belief?
2: Well, I think that this is something that's true in my life in general. That's how I, I, I operate, you know, because, um, I spent too much time around true believers in my life, and then sometimes you get yourself into some goofy spots with that. Um, but uh, I think in that, in the context of the song, I was also talking about. Um, I was kind of trying to address the sort of the um, the 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 space that we're in, especially. Uh, in the post Me Too movement and other things that are going on with people being exposed, whoever Africa Bomba Bambada all the way to whoever got themselves exposed today, uh, to where kind of trying to explore all of the things that come with come with that you know um, from the feeling of as a man where you're like. Well, what what things do I need to think about? And you're like, oh man, let me try and think back. What did I do that might now be viewed, and I might have to look at it another. And that's the whole line about like um, the bone's not deep, you know, where you're like, all right, uh," you know, all these things are popping off. You're thinking. Uh, about what you may or may not have done or been around, whatever types of things. And, um, and also talking about the fact that sometimes a lot of things as the, all of these things have progressed and the nature of the internet and discussion today, sometimes things happen and you're not really clear because obviously there's things that happen and, and it's like, everybody knows this person was, there's no question. And then other times it's like somebody's, oh, something happened, but it's never really clear exactly. And you're not even sure what you're supposed to, how you're supposed to move forward or what ended up happening. It's like some part of somebody's text conversation is now on Instagram and you're not even sure who said what. And then afterwards, everything just continues. Mm. And you're like, I don't even know what the status of that whole thing was um but at the same time you might see this person at this place or that place or you might say hey did you hear this record and somebody's like oh i'm not listening to that record because of don't you remember what happened and then you're like oh yeah well what happened with that and you don't necessarily know everything isn't always clear and sometimes the discussions take on a life of their own that takes them off somewhere else um and not trying to solve any ambiguities or anything like that, but just sort of explore all the things that exist within that space and within uh, those movements and ideas. So, in specific, that's what I was. That's what I was. That's what I was talking about. And that also goes for things in in other areas of life too. You know, where it's like um, you have no choice at times but to believe in things that you don't you don't know because you weren't there or whatever, or you're not exactly sure. And at the same time, I really have trouble just believing things, period. Do you know what I mean? I'm not a person who goes off faith or, you know, things like that. So that that sort of dichotomy that uh, that occurs, you know, um,
0: I thought it was interesting how you displayed the two. Right. And you didn't dismiss either one completely. Um, You know, while I I, I totally get the second part, like belief always being dangerous, because a lot of stuff has been done in the name of belief that has led people astray. Right. Um, But I also thought it was cool how you looked at it from the perspective of, man, it's almost like as as man, we are sometimes at mercy of belief. Right. When you said I can't afford not to. Um, Well, you
2: can't go around and say, if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't there, I can't say. That's like an easy thing to say, but isn't isn't always applicable, you know, any different than when um, the police shoot somebody and people are like, well, there's two sides. I mean, yes and no. I mean, there are two sides and there's also... There's things are happening. There's obviously there's smoke, there's fire. Um and so yeah, I think both of those I, I, I think the that song in some ways uh uh I was trying to hold all of those dichotomies in place. You know, life is complicated, man.
0: Yes. Got it, got it. So Elucid, the last project I last Armin Hammer project, you know, you contributed to like mainly mostly production wise was the um paraffin project and um
1: i wrapped on every song there man how was that i wrapped on every song there
0: no no production production
1: oh, 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 oh. Got yeah i meant
0: it. i meant production yeah mm-hmm. production uh, as far as your production mm-hmm. um I, and you know when we look at shrines and you know um of course um haram um you don't really see the production. Obviously, Alchemist has this one. Um, mm-hmm. Is there, like, is there, have you thought about when the next Arm Hammer project, you guys, you will actually lend, like, if not full production or majority of production? And have you thought about the direction you would like to take that sound?
1: Man, I would love to. I would love to. But I think um, I didn't get involved in Shrines because I really just didn't have the time. Just, like, personally, like, a lot of shit was going on. And then Haram obviously like is Al, and obviously, I just contributed yeah. in the end with like these little transitions or whatever. But I would love to make that happen, you know. Um, holding down a lot of the production for Arm and Hammer, Week. like I said, we've we've created our own sound. We we have our own sound, and um, I want to continue to mine to mine that Indeed. for whatever that might hold uh, for the future. But yeah. who knows? You never know
0: and the reason why I asked the question is because you may have a vantage point at with a producer air based on what Armand Hammer has been able to do recently. Right. And mm-hmm. I was just curious to know, like where, like where your production mindset is for like a full contribution like that from you in the future.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. But that's yeah. I'm cool.
1: not really sure how to answer that question. Hmm. I, I have a very simple process. Indeed. Um, I don't have, I'm not like a gearhead. I don't, I don't have tons of equipment and I don't use Ableton. I might, I feel like I'd be making music like Molly Mall made in like 89. Like honestly, like the level of like kind of gear that I'm using in the ways that I'm like processing things. Like people who can have equipment to do things way easier than the way that I do it. But like, this is comfortable for me and I'm really not interested in like, learning (laughs) (laughs) new technologies in that in that kind of a way so um i I could dig it i could dig it sometimes
0: simplicity just works for people well you know depending on the person yeah i could dig it uh so the song falling out the sky has a very kind of like roots reggae you know irie vibe to it it's probably the most laid-back song on the haram album as it relates to the vibe And um, the lyrics in each of your verses kind of move in that direction as well. But they both kind of end in a grim way at the end. Like, I know, Woods, you referenced the potential of- You're a smart
2: guy, man. (laughs) You're a smart guy. Go ahead, (laughs) man. Yeah, Woods, I
0: appreciate it. Woods, you referenced the potential of crossing paths with the Illinois State Trooper and Elucid, lucid you also kind of referenced some grim concerns at the end of your verse two tell us why y'all decided to go in that direction with the lyrics
2: well i would say it's important to know how the song was made and then i think it would speak to how well we work together yeah we had a different song that that earl was supposed to get on and then he pulled a switcheroo And he was like, nah, nah, I'm going to do something else. And we were like, all right. I was like, all right, cool, whatever, you know? And him and Al are like best friends. So they are always hanging out. So one day Al was like, we're recording it today. And he was like, what do you guys think of this beat? I was like, the beat's beats good. Let's go. And um, And so Earl recorded. They said it. I was like, this is dope. Let's go. So. To me, I kind of picked up from there, and I was just getting this summertime California vibe. And obviously, uh, there's some pretty serious stuff in Earl's verse to begin with. Um, and so I was just trying to build off of that, but also tell this story, and um, and that's where that's where that's where it built to. I mean, it's it's. To be honest, it's a real story, so that's really what happened, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, sometimes the best thing you can do in a story is to uh, is to it, 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 you know you don't need to show the point at the exact thing happened. You know what I mean? That's not the key. Um, and so, once I was writing it, I was like, I knew the story because it was from my real life, so it was just about how I was going to how I was going to fit that in, and then. Um, and then Melusa was like, what's, what's the song about whatever? And, um, and when he sent it, I was like, in short, it's about a really memorable summer from when I was younger. And he was like, I, cool, got it. And that was all that was really discussed. And I really appreciated it after he were, this is a good example of like being able to trust somebody. It's like, after he recorded it, it was like, absolutely perfectly picking up the baton from where I was and then carrying it. And again, it's not, I think in both song, both verses, it's not that something bad happens at the end, but that there's moments of foreshadowing of other things outside of the immediate run of this story without them being overbearing or hitting you on top of the head. So that as you listen to it more and more, you notice little, little things Yeah, in stories that are mostly happy stories, and it's not like meant to be like a happy story. But like you're in the moment, you know, you're in the summer, but there's these other things around the edge. And I also thought it was interesting how the the narrator's age gets younger as it passes through the three MCs. Yeah, you know. So um, I'm writing a story about being a young man. You know, probably like 21. You know, 20 years old on the West Coast and then comes with the story straight like summer camp with all these. All these things that the darkness peeking around the edges or whatever. So um, so that's how I got done. As for my part, that's just how I write. And plus, it was a real story. So I was just trying to put the things in there without going to tell that exact piece of it again.
0: That makes a lot of sense so on the second verse of squeegee in in speaking about stories would you tell a story about a particular character um what actually happens to him does he throw up in the end it kind of left me wondering what exactly hold on one second i'm
2: sorry to interrupt also you know after they did that ever since that elusive i always see on the amazon or whatever fire stick whatever they're trying to get me to watch this movie cropsy (laughs) a <laughs> so bad horror movie. I know it's bad, yeah. but they keep trying I know, to. I, keep it it into a movie.
1: Out. I it never a
2: heard of that.
0: You it referenced was that. It was
1: a legend at this camp I went to. So Cropsy was his farmer, and the camp was built on like his farm, right? So the story went that Cropsy was out working on the land, and a helicopter came and chopped his head off, and his head just like rolled around. So at night. Like Cropsey would come looking for his head. So, yeah, Cropsey was like this camp legend. He had a, there was a graveyard, Cropsy's graveyard, and the counselors would take us out there, try to scare the shit out of you, like you in the middle of the, t- of the casket. We from New York City. Like, just being in that kind of darkness is unsettling as hell. You know what I mean? All these sounds and smells and it's pitch black in a way we've never seen it before. Uh, yeah, Cropsey. I didn't know that was a movie, though. Crazy.
2: That's crazy. Have you seen it? No, I just see you don't have you don't have like Amazon Prime or whatever Fire Stick. What do you use? I don't have a TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot to that, <laughs> <laughs> that new Negro. you just it's got so it. a Cate Claude Square. I do got I Amazon Prime though? I,
1: gotta, I mean, obviously, computer. I but I ain't seen uh Cropsey, it ain't popped up in. Oh, no, no, it's
2: some random movie that Amazon. Prime keeps suggesting I watch which means it's probably pretty terrible but it's some sort of horror movie. I guess that must be a, a, a like uh an urban legend in New York Long Island possibly. Yeah. I heard it was in yeah. Staten
0: Island. I I I'm not sure. Mm. It's funny I don't know about that story neither. So like um it, it you know you referencing it in the in the music was was interesting as well. All oh, lucid like I right, going back to that track, like, do, um, I know woods broke down, you know, w- you know how he came up with his verse, you know, and it being an account from real life. Um, were there any aspects of things that happened in your real life in, in your verse, Lucid?
1: I mean, that was, that was just a summer experience. Okay. I like, totally found like being away. Got yeah. It. Totally like true to life. Um, uh, first time being away from home. Um, and yeah, that, that, I guess you were, you were talking about like the darkness at the end. But it picked up, you know, a few other times like leading up to it, you know, just like seeing kids like trying to hurt kids, like initiations, hazings, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like things that start off as fun and then it's like it's not fun. You know what I mean? I mentioned like a whole ho- ho- we call them homie socks because at the time, like in Living Color and Homie the Clown, and he had that sock and you had the baby powder and you hit some, and the kids started putting batteries in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just like it was drawing blood in a summer camp. You know, it was wild. And then yeah, I mean, a kid actually did drown in that pool that I did learn how to swim in. You know, um, but yeah, it was the beat. The beat gave like these sort of like bittersweet vibes for me. As soon as I heard it, like I immediately, like, I don't know, like I, I, I felt that like, it was bittersweet. Yeah. like it's bittersweet. Like it's smooth and but there's always something like kind of, kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. around the corner under the surface you know yeah and uh, that's exactly that kind of like say what
0: and i said that's exactly how the actual song comes across when you listen to it yeah. in totality yeah. it kind of yeah, throws yeah, you yeah, for yeah. a loop because i'm so
1: like i want to lead i heard i heard earl's reference earl had i had a reference to death obviously with his dad um and then woods woods verse also building on like uh not childhood but like young adult sort of recollections in the summer. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like fitting um, to tell a story for my 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 youth, my youth. Um, I did peep that as I was writing the verse that I did have the youngest perspective and I thought that was kind of cool to keep that. And I just ran with it, yeah. It's
0: dope how things turn out, you know, like man, you when you don't even, I think sometimes it's better not to hear what the other MC is doing. And when it all comes together, it comes like magic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the, that is the arm and hammer. Yes. Arm and hammer way.
0: Got it. So uh going back to that last um uh question I asked um, Woods uh, on the second verse of Squeegee, you tell a story about a particular character. What what actually happens to him? Does he throw up in the end? Because it, it kind of. Had me wondering what, what happens to him at the end of the verse. It was like you say something like the taste in his mouth, just like before. That's like the last line that you say. Um, oh. <laughs> care to break down? Um, I mean, I. Uh, I like, yeah, no, no problem. Yeah.
2: It's interesting because that's song I saw. Somebody in some review, man, of the things that I've seen in reviews that were crazy, mm. um, the. One thing has been the craziest, and this was, but this this was not it. This was up there. The craziest one was somebody's interpretation of Stone Fruit, where I was like, "What is happening?" Um, but uh, they were like, "Oh, Squeegee is about a guy who lives like a really clean life and such and such," and I'm like, "The beginning of the song is put together." That's what I'm like, some people never went outside, man. Like, um, the beginning of the song is put together a good two, three weeks. Have you not ever known somebody who is trying to, like, whatever? Obviously, some sort of circumstances happen where the person is like, I'm switching my life up. Whatever, prior to being introduced to this person, you know? Um, They haven't been going, they haven't been getting up early and going to bed early every night. This is a new thing. They put together two, three good weeks. You know, and I thought that that really set the stage for. um, Sometimes that's where you're at in life, you know, you're like, man, I got two weeks of like not doing whatever it is. You know, Um, and so I felt like um, I felt like that was the stage I was trying to set for somebody who something has happened. They're coming from some sort of situation where they're like, "All right, I I got to switch up. Well, I'm going to be eating healthy, working out, staying out of trouble, not going around the dudes on the corner and smoke whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know." And um, and then I was just trying to show how um, I don't know. Again, if you've ever been somebody who is like, "I got to switch up my life," or whatever, what doesn't matter what happened, whether you got out of jail or you. Somebody you knew close to you went to jail or died or just whatever situation where you're like, I gotta switch it up, I gotta change what I'm doing. As time goes, sometimes you that that starts to the control that you're trying to establish could start to slip away for this for this person, you know what I mean? Mm, mm. And so I was just trying to paint uh, that moment. Obviously, they went, they saw some people on the street, and it was like people who you have some type of relationship with. And even how I was described, like, uh, they danced around it, but there's something that nobody's talking about. But just to be, oh, I hit the blunt a couple of times, cool, peace, peace, peace. And how that starts to be the beginning of some sort of erosion of this person's feeling of control, partially because you got high or whatever. Mm -hmm. But no, I wasn't thinking that the I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking more of... um, I think there's a lot of ways you could interpret the taste in this moment just like before. But this is a person who's trying to leave something behind from their earlier life and move on to a new thing. And then through these interactions, the question of whether that new resolution, that new direction is slipping away because they obviously, either through the combination of reality and paranoia Whatever they, they're somewhat beset by these circumstances around them, you know I what it. I mean? So it's like, dude, in his apartment and is looking at the world around, and you know, when it's like, oh, they're getting wet in the hall. I mean, you're from Brooklyn, <laughs> you know, guys it. Dude's just smoking, or he imagines they yeah. are in the hallway. There's all of these things where, um, like the taste of his mouth could be like. From, from the L that he smoked with them in the street. Right, it right. It could be whatever it was that you're trying to leave behind and then you, you get the feeling coming back, whatever it is.
0: The the reason you know, why I, I, like I... Maybe I should have one drink. <laughs> the reason why I asked did he throw up is because you said he squatted by the window and then I thought about the taste in the mouth. I'm like, okay, maybe... You know, he was too high and, he, you know, he threw up, you know, but it what you know no, no.
2: way- by the window is just like this is a person who's just coming home, doing their thing. And so that's just them high at home and just looking out at the street and you know, all the things around them. And there's a, at least to me, there's a sense of. Um, they have some sort of sense of disgust and alienation from their surroundings, you know
0: got it got it thank you thank you man as you can see man i'm i'm big into like deciphering lyrics so i always like to hear what the artist intended so um so it could give me a better understanding of the music um so i appreciate that that makes a lot more sense now so the final track on the album stone fruit Elucid, we hear a strong singing type flow from you throughout your verses and the hooks on the song. What inspired the vocal flow and how difficult was it for you to keep that voice throughout the recording?
1: I mean, that's my voice. That's my, that's my voice. I'm singing. And I'm mm. just being in, in in key with how I hear the beat. Okay. I first heard the beat and I heard fireworks. Wow. I didn't know what that meant, but that's what I heard and then i started like like the words came the melody came mm. and i'm thinking about like i'm talking about love i'm talking about the expansiveness of love i'm talking about relationships and the expansiveness of relationships and like new configurations of love and new new configurations of relationships and how like uh your partner you know your partner is your partner your lover is your lover and i'm into multiplicities right you know, one person can't and shouldn't be expected to take care of all of your needs. It's it's very difficult. It's a very like it's very difficult. So that's why I was going with with Stone Fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, like this is not, yeah, this is this is my singing voice. This is my life, and it wasn't really hard to like, okay, like maintain or or like keep up. It just felt really good. I remember being in the studio with Green, and uh, it was actually one of the first records that we did. Um, when we first kicked off rhyme, I feel like it was like the first, the first recording session, like in 2019 that I did that and I was just like, fuck, Mm -hmm. this is the one, this is the one. And uh, yeah, I remember when we, when we, when we finished the record, um, we were sequencing and Woods is like really, really good at, at sequencing records. And I didn't want it at the end. I, I felt like, yo, this is like a standout record. This should be, like, maybe at the top of the heat. He was like, no, 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 This throw it no. at the end. This is the closer because where where you gonna go from here? You know what I mean? Like, this felt like a like a peak climax type of moment. And yeah. I saw the genius in that. I, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like, I have somebody like that on the team that could see uh, see the path. You know, I ain't see it i didn't see it he saw it and uh it worked out
0: dope dope
2: yeah i guess yeah alchemist was alchemist was the one who really had to be wrestled with because lucid doesn't really worry too much in the create he worries at the end what it all is Mm. whereas like alchemist is the world who's like along the way i kept having to be like nah it's gonna be last trust me on this one um so that was the person i was having this stiff arm as we were working and then once we were done, that's when all of us discussed it. But I felt like by then it wasn't as hard of a self Lucy, because we had the, we had the tracks to justify it, you know. Um, but yeah, it had to be last. What was the next song going to be?
0: For real, like <laughs> it, it, I'm so glad that was it was placed last, and it is it, dope to hear that. It, it you know it was just natural for you, Elucid, because me as the listener, I'm like, man, like it sounds like you're you're projecting your voice a little stronger. Um, so I'm like, man, this must must have been a little challenge for him. But that's dope to hear that it was easy going. I think that's the reason why it it flows like that too, probably because it was that natural for you. Yeah, you know, I
2: mean, even when I imagine being in my seat when I got the track, I was just like, mm. wow. Cause he, he picked the song and then sent that and knew what he was doing. And it was like, all right, just, just work sounds, it sounds so different. But, um, I I think Elusa has a lot of work like that. Sometimes what you pick up and it really enters into, uh, um, Yeah.
0: You you kept uh, that flow. You kept that flow. Like, like it's, 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 it's like, it's not separated from your verse and the hook. Like it's yeah. all one, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. dope.
1: Mm-hmm. Word.
0: Indeed. So um look at the time, man. I haven't even touched the shrines album, which I'm I want to go into right now. I don't know if y'all have the time. Part two. Um you
1: but gotta get a part two.
0: Yeah. I definitely wanna uh you know tap into some some of the um music on shrines, if y'all got the time.
2: Go ahead.
1: <laughs> all right, indeed. So I don't have I don't have the most time, but indeed. I indeed. definitely wanna um do what you can. run for a couple yeah, yeah, of
0: Yeah, do do what you can. If if you gotta if you gotta leave and woods kind of stay, you know, then I'm cool with that. Whatever y'all wanna do, right? I'm I'm gracious for what y'all have already given. All right. Um so the album cover of Shrines, the with the tiger in the window. Um, I'm very familiar of the story. Um Tell me why y'all chose to go with this cover.
1: You, you never felt like Ming. You never felt like Ming the Tiger. <laughs> you never um, identified with that tiger, man. I,
0: I I think I know what you're saying. I think I know where you're going with. I feel like that tiger being sometimes, closed in. Man. Yeah.
1: I, I feel like that tiger, man. yeah. I Woods. It was Woods. Woods' idea. Mm -hmm. Woods be a creative director somewhere, man. Woods has been responsible for the past two records. They both feature animals. I didn't really think about that till Haram came out. But yeah, like Woods had the idea, and I was like, I remember that story immediately Mm -hmm. when it happened. I remember like reading about that in Harlem, how, um, you know, the story of Ming the Tiger. And and I think, was they in Polo Grounds? It was, um, I think it was was Drew Hamilton. It was somewhere in Harlem. It
0: was definitely in Harlem. Harlem. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember um, that
0: story. That was Turned a crazy story. I I saw it on um I don't know it was like one of them travel channels. It, mm-hmm. it was like, yo, this is crazy like <laughs> mm-hmm. but um it like what you like you say, man, like it, that feeling of being trapped in a surrounding, yeah. yeah.
1: Would you still hear?
0: He he dropped out. Uh I don't know if yeah. he he was having internet um challenges um but um We'll just have... He'll, he could just click the link and come back in. I'll just sure. keep it going with you in the meantime. Sure. Um So... Um, all right. I was going to ask... This next question was going to be for Woods, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch this one up. Um, on the song Charms, there's an excerpt of a lady speaking on a different perspective of the idea of survival. She says... Mm-hmm. If we do what we need to do, then we will leave something that continues beyond ourselves. And that is survival. Why was it important for y'all to have that message close out the
1: song? Uh, That was Audre Lorde Mm. uh, talking about survival. And I think for me, like relating to that, um... Yeah. What's what's real in this world? Mm -hmm. What's what's real when you leave, you know, thinking about legacy, thinking about, you know, we know you can't take things with you, but Mm -hmm. I'm very much interested in in leaving something behind for my family, for those who choose to. I don't know. I don't even like the word be inspired by what I do, but like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm an artist. I I create things for people to digest to to live with. And uh Yeah, yeah I would love. I would love to be in that position. That's a, is a very ill way to think about survival. What I was we we she was talking about um Audrey yeah. Law quote. Yeah, I was on saying charms um what survival mm. means.
0: Right. I was saying um in the quote how she framed Yeah, in the quote she says at the end of charms is she says if we do what we need to do then we will leave something that continues beyond ourselves and that is survival. I thought it was a powerful quote, but I was just asking, um, Elucid, um, you know, why y'all chose to put that message to close out the song.
2: Uh, just such a powerful, such a powerful quote. That's another beat that Elucid kind of spotted it, child actor did the beat and, um, as soon as he pointed it out I was like man that's genius it's gonna be great another time uh, he's the one who um knows everybody knows who Kia is now but he's the one who knew her out of us at that time and uh, he brought her in on that song and obviously she was phenomenal um and uh yeah just a fa- one of my all-time favorite songs that we've done love that video too one of the most underappreciated videos we've done. Joseph Small, genius, um, and yeah, that quote. Uh, I, you know, I just went looking for a, for a quote, and um, I know that I know that Lucid's familiar with her, her work. Maybe than me, and I was just looking, and I was listening to that interview. I can't remember how I ended up listening to that interview, but then when it got to that part, I just thought this is perfect.
0: Mm. Great voice too, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah man. Voice. It's it's a really interesting perspective on survival that um, you know, really makes you rethink what you've been told about survival. You know You know and, what it
2: makes me think of kind of Jay-Z uh had a line on reasonable doubt, where he's like, I'm not trying, uh I'm not trying to survive. Oh man i'm trying not trying to survive i'm trying to love it and live it it, yeah i'm gonna find it right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I really have to break out
0: no doubt no doubt Elucid, i thank you so much brother thank you so much for your time thank you for having me um we um the the show is gonna be up on friday um Mm -hmm. you know and i'm gonna put the audio version to it um as well so um, I I think you're on IG, right? I'm. I'll. If anything, I'll yeah, send you. Yeah. If you don't mind, yeah, I'll Kobe. send you the DM of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Indeed, man. Listen, thank you so much for your time, man. Um, I done. Was if you got more time, I'll rock out with you. Um and uh, it, yeah, sure. it's
2: cool. It, for the record, it's the evils. Oh, the evils! Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The Jay Z record. Says, yeah, yeah. Nine to five is how you survive. I ain't trying to survive. I'm trying to live it to the limit and love it a lot.
0: Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that record, yeah.
2: And so I, I, and part of me is also like, it's a reversal of, you know, uh, there's some some sort of idea that uh, survive surviving is like giving up. Got you it, know? got uh, it. The same way sometimes I feel like people talk about slavery or what, like I would have done this, that, and the third, no way I would have. And it's like, well, the people who jumped off the ship, they're they're gone. We're here because of the people who didn't jump off the ship. Real talk. Real We're talk. here because of the people who found ways to bring meaning to their lives. Um, You know, because it's easy to talk. Oh, I would have done this and that. You'd be dead in the ground, man. It's not, it's, not a, it's not that everybody else didn't have the courage. You know, it takes just as much courage to find a way to, you know, find some sort of dignity and moving forward in life as it does to jump off a boat or I don't yeah. malign either person, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. Indeed. Indeed. Wow. On that, I'm out. All right. Uh, Lucid, Later. Thank, you so much. thank
0: you again, man. Woods, I appreciate you staying extra, man. I, it won't be too long. <laughs> no problem. Thank you, man. Um, So and it, it's cool because some of the questions I have for Lucid, so I'll just only ask the questions that I have for you. Okay. Um, okay. So, just in terms of rhymes, I feel like you guys pack a lot into your lyrics. Like this, you know, you guys have songs that a lot of songs that could be under two minutes, and I feel like y'all are offering a lot lyrically. Is is that a conscious decision on your part, and how difficult is that to achieve?
2: For sure. I mean, what else do I have to offer? Mm. I have a deep voice. That's about it. You know, <laughs> uh, I think that. Um, my lyrics and my command of language is you know just the talent that i have that um it's a combination of both talent and you know i I, my i come from a family that where those things are important put a lot of work into you know writing and reading a lot from like a young age so it's what i'm good at so i try to push myself to do better every time
0: definitely i could dig it on the track pommel horse you have a line where you say the leper will tell you straight family and friends will lie to your face what do you think makes a person who's considered a leper so truthful
2: um somebody who doesn't have a stake in the game a lot of times they're the person who will really tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your family and friends will tell you what it is. Sometimes they can't tell you what it is. Sometimes somebody who doesn't have any stake in the game can really reveal to you uh, things that maybe you don't want to see, or maybe you know, but you have to hear somebody say it. But they don't care one way or the other, man. Do whatever you know. Do whatever you're gonna do. But here's what they think.
0: I like I like that uh, explanation. Not having stake in the game. Um. Yeah. It. It. It does. Yeah. Allinge. a Person is shunned by everyone. Yeah.
2: yeah. So they don't have any special reason to tell you or think that you're going to do them a favor or anything else. Mm. So,
0: on the song Parables, you you all reference um classic lyrics from uh you know MF Doom, the late great MF Doom's Operation Greenbacks track. How how much of Doom's influence has inspired? Your lyrical approach,
2: um, I guess a lot, mm. definitely. Uh, there's a few artists who I name as really big influences on me, and um, I was a big MF Doom fan, and perhaps most fittingly, um, his most his he was creating his best work when I was really starting, mm. you know. Um, like nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand three is me like learning how to write and record rhymes mm. and um dooms Zevlov X's resurgence is MF Doom really is in that nineteen ninety nine to two thousand four I mean he was run, running everything mm. you know um and so that that was hugely influential at that time, along with some other artists, too. Um, and then the fact that there's some just odd symmetry in some of the biographical details, you know, uh, I think I was listening to. I didn't even realize he was Zimbabwe and half yeah. Zimbabwean and half Caribbean, like, which is like me. Till so maybe I was listening to Mr. Clean on the Vaudeville Villain album.
0: Yeah, he said, Trini, part
2: Zimbabwe and half Trini mixed in. Yeah. Um, that's dope. So, yeah, I, I think those things really made it stick out for me. And definitely I'd be remiss if I didn't say that he was one of my biggest influences easily in terms of this music shit, you right. know, uh, same, you know, I, I was a big Ghostface fan, but it also helped that that was like right at that time, you know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, but there's other artists that, um, There are other artists that I was a big, or even somebody like Breesley Bruin to a lesser extent from those first two, but um, it was just, his style was just something I could never fully do, but I appreciated how he wrote because he, he was the first person who I noticed who would write his verses where the punchline would be here, but the idea extends into the next bar. Um, so it'd be like, um, uh, uh I'm, try- I'm trying to think of an example exa- right now, but he'd say like, you're really spitting. And then the next line would be like choking with that garbage in your throat or something like that, where it's like, oh, the punchline was here, but then it really is another the punch of the punchline is afterwards. Yeah. You know, or like he told you half of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The meaning in the next word. Um, And he was somebody whose work I I was really being introduced to around then between uh, the Clear Blue Skies record and um, Prince Among Thieves. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I would go. And then there's other people who were big influences, but they were in that time that I was – Rapping, whether you said something like Chuck D, Public Enemy, one of the first people that I really started fucking with, or like, um, I still remember going to buy Marsberg at Amoeba when I was working on History Will Absolve Me, and I was in LA, and Big Justin and I went to Amoeba Records my first time there, and I bought Pilot Talk by Currency and uh, Marsberg by Rock Marciano. And then those two dudes, you know, over the next decade a million. But I couldn't say that they influenced me as much, even though I was a fan and it affected me and how I thought about the music, because that wasn't right in that sweet spot where you're like, how do I rap? Right. How do I make myself better, you know? And so that's why i say like Ghostface, Doom, the stuff that I was really into in that time period, to some lesser extent i would also give some you know uh some credit to um cameron man mm. in that in that, two, that early 2000s era like the purple haze and i messed with that record that's um, interesting not every song but the joints that were fly were crazy you know yeah. and, um, and so things that happened in that era had a lot of impact because you were sitting writing rhymes every day that was a Writing rhymes, writing rhymes, writing rhymes, and so sometimes you're just sitting, literally sitting there, writing rhymes like how trying to write Ghostface tracks, you know.
0: That's that's dope that you mentioned uh, Breezy Bruin. I did an interview with him earlier this year. Um, and, you know, he released his his solo debut after you know all of these years. Um, and you know, I, I definitely know what you're talking about with um when you talk about Dooms lines and you know he'll, he'll like end with a certain line. That that was brewing. That was
2: brewing what I was saying with doom. It was everything. I mean, doom brought so many things that it never thought like doom was rhyming in a third. I I never heard somebody rhyme in the third person that much. And then all the things that allowed you to do, instead of saying, I went here and did this. You could be like, he went here and did this, even though he's talking about MF doom.
0: Definitely. That's what made him such a such a dope MC for me, man. Um, yeah, man. I, 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 I and I could definitely see the influences, but I wanted to ask you directly about it. You know, yeah, how he
2: balanced like um, you listen to something like Operation Doomsday. It's like funny but incredibly sad at the same time, and those are things that appeal to me in art always, right? Um, and are kind of part of my own sense of humor and my own sensibility, so they appeal to me. Mm-hmm naturally so uh yeah big influence there for sure
0: indeed indeed on the um track the eucharist which is the last track on the shrines album uh you have a very interesting flow Uh, the words follow the sounds like oodle doodle poodle obviously not those exact words but the sound right Mm -hmm. (laughs) how how were you able to search for those sounds? Because on the surface, it sounds like it's very difficult to find words with those sounds. Like when you think about when you were creating Eucharist, the Eucharist, like in the flow and the, the different sounds like.
2: Oh, you- man, that was a song where I was really just I was really into it while I was doing it. Mm. So. um yeah i don't know how much i could say
0: it just kind of flowed
2: i I don't know how much i could say that i was like sitting and thinking of how to put it together or whatever it was definitely just happening and um yeah that 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 was one where it really just flowed through me and i was i caught a vibe and then i was just writing it
0: got it got it i could i could dig that I i could i could i could flow with that um sometimes it just comes out like that so i could i could i could dig that
2: yeah that one it was more if anything i more remember just being getting excited as the ideas were locking together Mm. you know i knew the idea i was trying to do and so when some of the things were locking together i remember the feeling of excitement i remember really being like um when i got the part which was early on when it's like um Reminded me of being a little kid in Africa. and We used to have a scripture class we had to go to in my school. We had a uh, religious religion class we had to take in school and I was a little, little kid. And I remember being fascinated by the part where they're like, the devil takes Jesus up to a high place. Because there's the temptations of Christ, right? When he's in the desert, the devil comes to him in different guises and is like, If you reject god i'll do this for you i'll do that for you and at one point the devil takes him to a high place and it's like everything you can see i'll make it yours Mm. and jesus rejects him or whatever but i remember when i got to the line um followed the devil to the high place the pinnacle the wilderness vibrate do good is miserable Mm. that's when i was like yo this is it i like this right here i felt i remember feeling like okay this is this is yeah. what we're
0: doing. Yeah, you know it, the reason why I asked about it is because you you sound so in the pocket. You know what I'm saying, like with the with the rhymes and the flow. You know, I'm always curious to know how like certain you know certain rhyme patterns come together. Yeah, that one was just going, man. I was just yeah. trying
2: to get the ideas lined up and 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 to do what they needed to do because I felt like it was it was going right. Yeah, but I remember more the ideas like. Um, just one after the other, just sort of clicking into place, like, perfectly. Mm-hmm. One of, Probably one of the best songs that I ever made. Wow. wow. I really like all, every aspect of, every line of that is like, like the pilot's silent, but that's the signal too. Mm. You know, because Patia's pilot is like, I didn't tell them to kill him, but I think a recurring theme in my music is that, uh, people's uh, uh people's desire to avoid responsibility
3: mm.
2: for mm. all sorts of things mm. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. It, the pilot didn't say anything but that was a signal too you know what mm. i mean mm.
0: <laughs> so what...
2: and and obviously the uh the group home shout out made me really happy mm. Mm. you know as an old premier. Like, I still remember the first time I heard that record and being like, what? Wow. Lil' Dap, uh, Superstar.
0: Yeah, that was the record, man. Shout yeah, that you. was the boom record. Yup, yeah. yep, 90s, man, came up on that. So uh, my last question in reference to um, lyrics on the on Pride, um, I'm actually going to go back to Benny Miles from Haram, I didn't get a chance to ask you about this, but this lyric was so potent that I I I wanted to ask you it. Um you have a line where you say ain't no angel saving us, ain't no saving us. Um ain't no slaving us. You're going to need a bigger boat, you're going to need a smaller ocean, but here's some rope. Now, it sounds like you're talking about self-reliance in that lyric, but can you break down, you know, the meaning of the of the lines?
2: Okay. So it's it's uh, it's um, it starts off. Uh, dreams is dangerous. Linger like angel dust, which is self-explanatory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, ain't no angels hovering. Ain't no saving us. Right. See, I saw somebody put it as harboring, and it's no, it's ain't no angels hovering above us. You know what I mean? Ain't no saving us. Okay. Ain't no slaving us. You're gonna need a bigger boat. You're gonna need a smaller ocean. But here's some more rope in, I, I guess there's a bunch of ideas in that, you know, um, dreams can be dangerous. And I meant that in all sorts of ways, but I guess I uh, both in the wider way of like dreams that people have that then maybe are, or aren't fulfilled. But also the sense, if you ever woken up for a dream and it took a while to be, just f- figure out what was real? or some aspect of it hung Mm -hmm. over your day or your morning or something Mm -hmm. where it's just like, there, like you have an unsettling dream. And for a little while you're like, did some part of that really happen? Or you just feel it around you. And then I I also wanted to invoke the bigger idea of dreams that people have are, are dangerous. Um, and, um, and then I, was, you know, linger like angel dust. Ain't no angels hovering. Ain't no saving us. So that part is obviously religion. The idea of if somebody else is, you know, there's otherworldly forces waiting to help us. Um, and then the last part was about the fact that, um, uh, you yeah. know, yeah, you say neither- slavery. It's not like that. That can't happen. You know. They're not going for it the second time. Right, right. <laughs> you you go. You you need a bigger boat and a smaller ocean. Um And you know, obviously the the jaws reference or whatever. And when I said here's some more rope, it's like uh, give somebody enough rope they'll hang themselves. Mm. That idea, and then of course that brings with the ideas of lynching and other things. So that's that's where I was going with it, you know. But like, got it. Yeah, if you want to do that, here's some. If you really think you could do it, here's some more rope. Go ahead and try
0: Right, right. So it's like a, it's like a, um, like I said, self reliance, but like fighting back. Like it ain't gonna happen this time around. For sure. Got it.
2: For sure. Got it. Um, and yeah, just the overall, uh, um, overall trying to. Uh, there's a world that people of things people imagine and or want. And then there's a world that exists.
0: Mm, mm. Got it. Got it, man was, I thank you so much for staying with me, um, for this no problem, man.
2: I, I really enjoy, you know, I, I enjoy when somebody, especially when we have projects like this and, um, sometimes I'm surprised more, I guess it works two ways. Uh, um, Sometimes you see people in the comments of a video or something and be like, What's this song about? And um my friend pointed out to me. She was like, Do people ask Future what his songs are about? You know, because it's like what well, and of course, you know, um, yeah, yeah. but I was also thinking about the fact of because obviously there's lots of things and lots of emotions sometimes are going into a song. Um but I do like at the same time, sometimes there's songs where I'll see what people said about them and I'm just like, man, um, should just ask.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know? And uh, and it's not not, obviously once you make music, once you make or create something, it's out in the world. I can't, and I'm not able to dictate to people what they want to take away from it. You know, they're like kids, like once you have your kids and they go off into, you can't follow them around the whole time and make sure they act exactly how you want them to, you know what I mean? Um, You can't follow your kids around and be like, oh no, my kid is really great, (laughs) fun to be around. Like they gotta go to school and figure it out for themselves, you know what I mean? But uh, at the same time, um, sometimes you see some takes that are really, really bad and and other times I recognize the things when I'm writing them and sometimes it seems like people think, oh, you're sitting and trying, I'm writing and trying to be creative and write something that I think is good. Like, um, I'm not sitting there. How can I make this impossible? Sometimes I think things are not as difficult as they turn out Mm. to be to understand. Mm. Um, And also sometimes people wanna have a reaction Saying what the whole album is about, like the day it came out, and it's just like that's crazy, yeah. man. This is it takes it's not time. an insult to anybody to be like, you might need to sit and absorb the work for a little bit, um, get some more listens in before you come out with like your very first impression of what something's about. You might end up looking foolish. The music is not that surface. Um, and listen, there's meaningful music that. Sometimes you know exactly what it's about at the beginning. You listen to a Bob Marley song, nine times out of 10, you know what it's about. I'm not saying that makes it whack or like you listen to Tupac's music, the messages and the intent and the emotions are close to the surface. Um, That doesn't mean it's bad, but I'm just saying the music that we make uh, or the music that I make, it's kind of like, nobody wants to hear your, you, you, you know, your take on like, uh, if you watch a David Lynch movie, you might need to sit down and watch it again. Like it's not traditional in its approach to a lot of things, but um, yeah, so I enjoy, I enjoy talking about the work and I enjoy when somebody has pertinent um, and insightful questions about the actual material itself, Yeah, can be interesting to talk about, especially when we've done a million interviews about whether we hung out with alchemist in his studio (laughs) not that those are important things to cover but i appreciate that you giving the opportunity to come on and talk about specific lyrics it's fun to me
0: i appreciate that bro and i always say what you guys are known for is your art right you guys are known for particularly as armin hammer and even you as Billy Woods, the artist, you're known for your music. So I try to focus on what I resonate with you with, right? In terms of me being a, a listener of the music. and But that takes time. That takes effort. I mean, I, this interview went long, but I, I have to say, it, it's taken me full multiple hours out of my day of playing back the lyrics, playing back the music, changing up questions, you know? So I see this as an art too. So I'm grateful to hear your response.
2: Thank you, man, I appreciate Indeed. it. And um,
0: Indeed, if man.
2: anything I can do or that you need from me, um, just let me know. I'll be very interested to see this.
0: Yes man yes thank you so much so um in closing if you have any last words uh in regards to the Haram album like what what do you what would you like to leave with the um you know the listeners or the people out there that are you know now getting into the album what 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 would you hope they they take from the project
2: um well, I hope if you heard it and you haven't heard Shrines yet, you go back and listen to that. I think that in some ways, kind of like, uh, I thought it was interesting you wanted to talk about both records, because I think in some ways, much as Rome and Paraffin were two sides of a coin, I think that these albums Shrines and and Haram are interlinked in intentionally and by chance and by the nature of how and when they were made in a way that makes them kind of a pair um, And we've had this thing where we've made two armored hammer albums in a row or almost simultaneously the last two rome and paraffin were made in overlapping ways that um mirror in many ways mirror the creation of haram and shrines and um i think that there's some interesting carryover and exchange of ideas and dialogue even between the two records um Yeah, that's that's what I say that and um, Alchemist, great, great guy, Uh, happy to be able to consider him a a friend um, and hope that friendship continues to grow because we have a lot in common. He's a great person. I really enjoyed interacting with him. And um, yeah, man, I'm just thankful for all the response and for him looking out and giving us that look. And yeah. yeah indeed, so, indeed
0: man thank you so much again man I'm
2: happy also to everyone who got mad because uh they wanted us to make some other album like some other person you know it's funny because it's like somebody asked me if that made me upset and i'm like no people have been trying to say i couldn't rap for 20 years now you know and it seems to have worked out okay so i'm not too mad about it uh the first time I ever was rapper, they threw me out the studio, and I believed in myself, and so here we wow. are. Um, but you know, I, I I like the fact I like uh, I like reaching new ears and people who don't get it and don't like it. It's okay, you know. Indeed, you know, there's indeed. lots of other rappers that are doing the same thing. You can listen to them. You won't. You don't have to worry about us. I'm glad and that you stuck who is to it. Catching on or is intrigued or likes something um i hope that they dig in further
0: man i'm so glad you stuck to it man thank you thank you indeed indeed on that note i just want to say to all of our views and listeners thank you for staying for this interview um uh so so grateful to brother uh Billy Woods and Elucid For giving us the time with Out the Box Uh, Make sure y'all go to our website Which is outtheboxmedia.com And you know Take a look at all the other cool stuff We have there, we have our merch store That you can find on the website Remember you can find our podcast The audio podcast on Spotify Apple and Google Podcasts. So until next Friday I just want to stay to all the people Stay healthy, stay focused Peace, love and light And we out of here.